0: questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Tonight we discuss worldwide astrological predictions for 2018. Greetings, I'm your host Mal Fabregas of Veritas Radio. And to listen to tonight's full interview and all our material, past, present, and future, all you have to do is subscribe at Veritas Radio. Dot com. And to tell us what he sees in the future, tonight's special guest is John Hogue. John writes on the subject of the occult, parapsychology, mysticism, and prophecy. He is considered a world authority on Nostradamus, and is the best-selling author of numerous books, including Nostradamus, The Complete Prophecies, and Nostradamus, and The New Millennium, The Millennium Book of Prophecy, The Last Pope, and Messiahs, the Visions and Prophecies for the Second Coming. His work has brought him international acclaim. He has been published in 18 languages and sold over 1 million copies worldwide. In addition, he has appeared in over 1,000 radio and television shows and over 150 documentaries on four continents. John Hoag joins us directly from an island north of Seattle, Washington. Hello, John, and welcome to Veritas.
1: How are you? I'm doing fine, now well, It's good to be on your show.
0: Thank you very much. It's been a long time since I've been wanting to have you on here, especially at the end of the year, every year, we get a lot of requests for people to come in and and tell us what they see, especially those who, who carry a, a, a gift, if you will, the gift that you have, being able to to see the future in many ways. First of all, for those who may not know who you are, and I doubt it because you've been around for a long time, John, just give us a little bit of a background of what, when did you discover the gift
1: that you were given? The gift is not exactly that I make predictions. The gift that I discovered was the ability to get out of the way. That's essentially my my dharma my my religiousness practice is to simply get out of the way and it just so happens that in doing that uh, i have uh, attained a certain fame for peering getting out of the way and seeing things the potentials of the future they are potentials they are echoes of the things we enact in the present they also In an odd way, my work with future gazing is fundamentally anti prophetic. I'm actually using the future to bring people back into the one moment where they actually are empowered to change everything, and that is the eternity of the present. But it has taken me in a strange, almost tantric discipline of. In Tantra, of course, most people popularly think of Tantra. they think of the path of sex to super consciousness, but it's more about the life force itself in tantra you don't you don't uh, deny things or repress things. you go deep into them and through them, and through the understanding of them, you transcend that is the hypothesis of this subjective science so I I allow people full range of their interest on what's happening tomorrow and all the ways in which it reflects uh, what they're doing today. And then I bring them back to today. The other thing that's important is that to be accurate at this work, one has to put one's own personal affairs, personal identifications aside so that one can simply look at it. As as an innocent intelligence, almost look at the at it as uh, neither this nor that, neither for nor against, and that has really helped me uh, penetrate the noise that is so charged up in this field. I mean, in a way, I've chosen a feel or it's chosen me, that does the thing you're never supposed to do at the dinner table, talk about politics and religion. <laughs> but that's what I do. And it's, it, it tends to stir a lot of people up uh, because it brings up a more important layer to this. And that is uh, how we make the future so predictable. And a lot of opportunities come up when I make predictions for people to kind of react or respond to what I'm saying. And in those moments, one can see the act of how we fuel the future, how we make, how we, we seed each generation to, a uh, new generation to be seeded with the subconscious habits and, um, reactive tra- traditions that, almost ensure that we will repeat and continue the wars, the problems, the things that we see again and again. So the past, the mind takes the past in a collective sense and wants to make it the future. And we are reaching a point now, which makes this sort of work of the future gazing so important now. So we're reaching a critical mass in the 2020s that are just a few years away where we cannot continue this cycle of repeating the past and the future without threatening the future existence and sustainability of humanity on this planet. So I'm, the work is quickening.
0: But what happens, John, And the first thing that caught my eye when I was reading your books in the past few days was I'm looking at all these Confederate statues being taken down. I'm thinking of the Library of Alexandria, and you say that we may be heading into a violent second American Revolution or Civil War. And let me just read, if I might, a quote that you include from Gurdiev J- from 1916. He says, quote, There are periods in life of humanity which generally coincide with the beginning of the fall of cultures and civilizations when the masses irretrievably lose their reason and begin to destroy everything that has been created by centuries and millenniums of culture." If we destroy or erase our past, and I'm sure this has been happening for hundreds if not thousands of years, aren't we becoming slaves of our past, not knowing the mistakes that we made, and therefore we repeat them again and again?
1: Well, the difference is that people do not understand their past. And that's the big problem. The past should never be repressed or erased. Uh, it needs to be properly understood. There has to be a, a, an under, understanding, a standing awareness underneath what is the source of why we do all these wars, why does habit get carried. And so um, the people who are actually erasing it, like I say in the book, I say the when the last vestige of confederacy when the last statue is taken down in this country i said that will be the beginning of the of a new slavery because um, that's again how a misunderstanding of the past the burning of alexandria library the the erase the burning of books by the hitler youth uh, the blowing of the great Buddhist statue on the side of the mountain in Afghanistan by Al Qaeda, yeah, the Taliban, yes, uh, is is a is is no different than the images of people pulling down that Confederate soldier's statue in Williamsburg uh, in in the in the in the riots there and then spitting on it and hurling shoes at it stuff it's exactly what you saw the Taliban doing and there's essentially the lesson is there's no difference and understanding the past will break its repetition in the future the other thing too is that um a a more spontaneous and intelligent humanity that is not repeating itself Uh, will be a more unpredictable humanity. Intelligence is more, true intelligence, and I'm not talking about intellectual, I call it uh, intellectual bling. Um, But, you know, intelligence is a unique and elusive thing. It's something the mystics say we're born with, and it then proceeds that for the next two decades of education and, and becoming a Member and visiting this planet, learning its identifications, but then turning the identifications into our, who we are is is almost like making convincing a child over a couple decades to, to believe that he is the car and not dr- the driver of the car, the vehicle he's in in his life, and and that that is that is something that we've gotten away with. But we can't anymore. So we're actually in the, perhaps the first time, we're really having to evolve. Some people think, you know, why, how how can we go this far and still be doing the things we are doing that are so savage? And I said, well, maybe that's an indication that we really haven't started yet.
0: You mentioned the statues in Afghanistan, and I think of right here in the United States what prevents somebody from going to Mount Rushmore and doing the same thing there and going to Washington?
1: Yeah, there was a, there was a call from the Antifa movement leaders to tear down the statues of Washington as well, because he had slaves. Right. Um, And, and the, the um, single pointed stupidity of that is that if, if, if you're looking for some impossible purity, You will miss all the jewels of, you know, it would be like somebody saying, let us burn all the scores of Richard Wagner. Let us erase the glorious sounds of Tristan and Isolde, which is an incredible story about literally two lovers annihilating the division of their identity and becoming one with love as one entire cosmic whole. I mean, what what an amazing concept. But it comes from a man who also struggled from anti-Semitism are we to just erase, are we to give power to the faults of a man or give encouragement to the good? I mean, I even would give encouragement to Adolf Hitler for the fact that, that during the middle of the war, a general recounts this story at Berchtesgaden, where uh, where you know, he's thinking 9,000 people, soldiers are dying every day in this battle that they're in with the Soviet Union and the West. And Hitler's canary died that afternoon. And so he caught the, the Fuhrer crying like a silently, like a child at his dead canary. And, and he, and I was saying, ah, there's a moment of humanity. There's a moment to build on, even with a man like that. Um, the man, mis- I, man got angry, understandably saying, how can he cry about a dead canary when we're losing 9,000 men a day? Um, but he, Again, this uh, everybody has inside them a Christ and a Hitler potential.
0: Are, are you referring to duality? Basically, we have to accept that duality exists.
1: Well, duality is perhaps something, uh, it's, it's deeper than that. Um, the appearance of duality is certainly there. That is certainly there. But the, 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 the question, the deeper question is, is there a witnessing consciousness? What is, what is it that reflects what appears to be duality? Like a mirror, neither when something's ugly before the mirror, the, the duality is, is, is illuminated and reflected by the consciousness as the judgment evil. Or next, something beautiful, the mirror without any judgment, looks at that as beautiful. You know, it, it well, it doesn't judge it. It just, these, It's it's a difficult thing. I mean, I would say this, that one of the biggest problems that is the engine of prophecy that I've come encountered directly is in myself and then going deeper through meditation, self-observation, becoming aware of a compassionate bridge to all other people struggling with the same thing all over this world is that um, the predictability is a cause of the – I call it the law of happenstance. It's not like anybody started it. It's not like there's some evil genius or UFO something or other that's trying to create a a world – of of darkness on our planet. It is just any more than the shadows responsible for that which it's coming off of in the light. It's the shadow. Uh, we, we seem to be turned, uh, identified very much into our shadows and forgetting that light which creates it on the wall. That light is almost forgotten in us, although it is who we are. It is our very being and and so the problem then is is what I would call mind, the programmed identified uh mind that sees uh sees what I'm saying as nothingness rather than perhaps seeing it in a different light as no thingness, which is quite different. It looks at the world and the mind reacts and says. I am feeling insecurity. But with meditation, the magnification of that is inward observation, which means it is in security. And then most people think they, they're they trained by their societies to think that they don't matter. Everybody's more powerful than them. The leaders are impossible to control. And they've completely, by their societies, been trained not to look in and realize that each person is like an atomic Splitting of the atom of consciousness as potential. So they, but they look at themselves because of the mind that's programmed and say, "I'm insignificant." But if you venture inward, you could actually have an experience of being insignificant. So these are just hints. I'm using the problem to describe <laughs> the way of getting out of the problem, which is difficult. It's like it's like. If if I were if we lived in a world where we only saw shades of gray and black and white and I told you that there's actually technicolor, um, it's it's a it's a it's a hard thing to. I mean the whole term of the word ecstasy extas is to leap out of the thing that you're stuck into in the ancient Greek for that feeling of being completely joyous and blissful and orgasmically sent out of this, this condition. Um, but it's like love. It's heart. You can't measure it. It's, it perhaps doesn't even exist. And because it does not exist, it does this so perfectly. It, it cannot not exist because it's, it's beyond existence and non-existence. I mean, even nothingness is a mind concept. Yeah, but when you think about, right now I have two
0: things that concern me. And I'm not, I don't have your gift to see the future, but I can look in our past that has not been deleted or erased yet, and I can see how in the past, I would say, eight, ten years, we have been divided. There's this division taking place, and it's only getting worse. And to that, you add this, I think you call it, institutionalized forgetfulness, is there such a thing? And if so, what is the true purpose of creating institutionalized forgetfulness?
1: Well, first off, it, it's um it's it's a thing born out of the happenstance of unconsciousness. It's a it's a thing that um I mean there's not there's not actually someone uh, it simply happens. I know this is gonna be hard to explain, but Things when when people are not a, a, at home in their witnessing consciousness. Just take this as a hypothesis. Everything I'm saying, I want people to doubt in the true meaning of the Indo-European roots of that word, which means to hover between two possibilities: that I'm full of it, or maybe I'm on to something. And then take take everything I say tonight and then go in and see if it resonates with your own experiences and then ex- and make your own exploration into these issues but the one could certainly see uh, that people in power have by habit succeeded in the world by disempowering masses majority of people I mean, in one example of that is what happened after World War I when the French and the English decided to divide the Ottoman Empire and they tried to actually create a situation where the least the smallest populations had the most oil uh, and why would they do that because they feared the possibility of the long Long, uh, something people in the West don't understand, the long desire of the Arab peoples to have a, a, a pan Arab uh, super state. Thank you for listening. To
2: unlock the full two hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe